Colossians chapter 2. Last time I did a topical study. Uh, tonight it is not a topical study. We're going to hopefully get through the, chap- the whole chapter of Colossians 2. And I'll, I'll read a bunch. Uh, I'm going to read in bunches. And uh, so, you know, but we're, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. So you can read along for the most part. Okay, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of, and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Father, bless our time. Amen. Okay, so who's writing? I, I want to do like Q&A because there's just not, there's, I wanna, I, I wanna, if I ask questions, will you guys answer them? Will you, you guys promise to do that a little bit if I answer them? So who wrote the book of Colossians? Paul. Yeah, no, no weird questions. You know how sometimes a pastor asks just, a, and he has one answer, and then he goes, no, 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 no. I, I'll try not to do that. Um, okay, Paul, right. Paul wrote Colossians. And Paul is, he writes by the Holy Spirit these letters, uh, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit these letters, and for different reasons, he's in this, in Colossians, he's concerned for the church. And so why was, why had someone concerned? Because uh, someone would be concerned because, he's concerned because he loves them, right? I'm not, cons- for example, I, I get concerned about my kids, but I don't really get as concerned about other kids because I don't love them as much as my kids. Paul is like a spiritual father to a lot of these churches, and he loves them, and he's concerned about them. Um, he's concerned because there are lies spreading in the church. Lies that are mixing in with the gospel. And a lot of times when you, just it's kind of a big serious word, when you, a lot of times when you mix lies in with the gospel, you could call that something like heresy. Like heresy is something where you have the gospel and you have lies mixed in with it, and ultimately it leads people away from Christ and not to, not, not to Christ. Um, and he's concerned because there's lies mixing in with the truth, and it's spreading in the church, in, in Colossus. Now, he'd never been to Colossus. He had just heard about them, but he still loves them. And verse 2 is the, heart, uh, is the heart really behind what he wants for them. He's concerned for them, but what does he want for them? Verse 2 says, that your hearts may be encouraged, that you be knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So, what is Paul's hope? I'm going to repeat this next. There's a bunch of things that I'm going to repeat, but I'm going to repeat you know, some stuff. What's his hope? His hope is that the church would be blessed, right? He's not, like, this, this chapter is not like an angry chapter. Like, he's not 
railing against heretics. He's talking to the church, and he's like, guys, I love you, and I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. Um, man, what is, what is it that there's, this is, this is just a thought, like, what is it about, like, lies? They just, there's a proverb that says gossip is like little morsels that go into your stomach, you know, and, and they just, you know, it's almost like little tasty pieces of food, right? Like, what is it about, like, lies that people just love to listen to? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that frustrated Paul, too. And what were some of the lies that were going on at this time? Um, by the way, they're still going around today, so there's nothing new. Um, but some of, the, some of the lies were claims that they had some secret truth that they had uncovered, some conspiracy, some like long forgotten mystery, and like now if you just go this way instead of this way, then you'll, you know, you'll be free and you'll like come into the true knowledge of God. Um, and, you know, maybe it's an evil conspiracy, maybe it's a special revelation, but it's always some new secret wisdom that will guide you. And Paul wants the church to experience now, if Paul wants to, the church to experience, and this is the thing that I'll repeat a lot, he wants them to experience encouragement, unity in love, and full assurance in Christ. That's what he wants for them. Uh, what do we think that Paul was beginning to hear of, that was happening to these folks who started listening to these new secrets, these new conspiracies, these new special revelations? What was he... What was he, he hearing that they were going through. If he wants encouragement, unity in love, and full assurance in Christ, then uh, Paul knew ultimately that these lies were not going to lead them to life. They were going to lead them to death. So if Paul, by the Holy Spirit, so this is really God that wants it for the church, for us, if Paul, by the Holy Spirit, desired the church to experience encouragement unity and love, and the full assurance in Christ, then these lies, heresy, will lead them to discouragement, disunity, hate, and not assurance. Uh, I, I was looking for the word that's the opposite of assurance. And the, the one, I, I couldn't really, I, off the top of my head, I couldn't think of, what's the opposite word of assurance, you know? Uh, the word that the dictionary.com said was torment. I like, I like that, even though I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm going to use that. That, um, that they were experiencing torment in their church, disunity, discouragement, um, and hate. You know, the opposite of the things that, that God wanted for them, that Paul wanted to them. That's no good, says Paul. No, you guys are experiencing that? No, no, no. That's not what God has for you. What God has for you is these things over here, verse 2. Um, and he addresses, uh, he addresses the most important mystery. Remember, everyone's always got you know, mysteries that are being uncovered. Paul says, listen, the most important mystery uh, that leads to full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's ministry is Christ. Is Christ. He's like, you guys have already got it. You got it at the beginning. You had everything you needed at the beginning. Verse 3 says, Christ, in whom all, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, 
all these people who are seeking for like hidden wisdom, his hidden treasure, you know, hidden, you know, revelations and stuff. He's like, they're all, they were all available to you at the very beginning when you followed Christ. Um, Paul was hearing back then about secrets and conspiracies and uh, just, and we are today, aren't we? You know, all the time, if you watch the news, it's just always some conspiracy that someone is unveiling about these terrible people over there or some mystery that we've just uncovered about one thing or another. It's, uh, it's you know, the one secret that Paul's saying, like, listen, church, church, the one secret that matters, those people in the world, they can go crazy with secrets and mysteries, let them, I guess, kind of let the thing for you, the secret for you, the mystery for you is the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all, all, all is all, is all right? <laughs> all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. No, Paul saying, knowing Christ is enough, dot, period, that's enough. Knowing Christ is enough. There's no but, there's no and, and any other secret, any conspiracy, any new revelation that, uh, that you find out, what it will do is it will lead you away from the simple truth that Jesus is enough. And leading away, going away from that simple truth, where does it lead? Discouragement, disunity, torment, hate, even in the church. And Paul says, that's not the way for you guys. The way for you guys is the simple gospel, and the simple gospel will lead you to all the hidden knowledge that, that you claim to be wanting. Anything else will lead you away from that. So not, not discouragement. Paul, wants, Paul says encouragement. That's what I want for you guys. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says in verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. All right, here's, uh, here's a Sunday school question. I, who here has taught Sunday school? I used to teach Sunday school quite a bit. This is a Sunday school question. Very easy, very easy question. Do you know that the devil... Uh, okay, how about this? Does the devil hate you? Yes. Yes, he does. The kids are like, Jesus, that's the, that's the, that's the answer to all Sunday school questions the, um, that, you, that you'll get from kids. No, yeah, uh, the answer is yes, the devil hates you. Do you, is the devil, this, is, this maybe would be one for the, for the older class, um, is the devil smarter than you? Yes, he is smarter than you. He's smarter than me. Um, do you know that he can lie to you by telling you things that are true. By telling you things that are true. Wrap your head around that for a second, okay? Think about a time in the Bible where, where the devil did this. The devil is tempting Jesus. The devil is tempting Jesus. Satan said, Jesus, you can turn these stones into bread. Is that true or false? It's true. He said, Jesus, if you throw yourself down from there, God will protect you. Is that true or false? That's true. It, Satan said, Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you the whole world and all the kingdoms. Was he lying? 
he wasn't lying. He told him the truth. He told him the truth. He told him the truth. Satan didn't lie to Jesus. He wanted Jesus to go the wrong way. That's what he wanted. The lie is not, the important lie is not, this is red, right? That's not the lie. The lie is not, this thing is not this thing. The lie is, this is the way. That's the lie, right? And right all above the, all above the way, there's a sign that says, this is a true thing, this is a true thing, and you, you, know, you look at it and you're like, well, that's true, and that's true, and that's true, and so I guess I should go this way. And the whole time, right at the very beginning, God gave us the way. God gave us this, the way, the simple faith in Christ. I was thinking about this while I, was, while I was preparing. What happens if you go the wrong way? This is, this is a needle in a haystack question. So lots of things maybe happen if you go the wrong way, right? So if you're driving pre-GPS, maybe even post-GPS, if you're driving and you go the wrong way, what happens? The driver gets mad at the navigator. Has, has this ever happened to anyone? That someone's driving, go left, oh no. And they'll, why did you tell me left? I, I just went right, but I meant to go left. Does it, right? The driver gets mad at the navigator. The passengers get mad at the driver. The driver, the, the navigator, the, uh, you know, the, the navigator's just embarrassed, like, oh no, we went the wrong way. Um, so there's, you know, whatever, there's disunity in the car. Maybe there's no one in the car. At the very least, you waste time. You waste time. That should really sink in for us, isn't it? Because one day, every single, everyone in this room, including me, we're going to die. We have a certain amount of time to spend. And like a portion of it, you're like a kid and you barely know what's going on. I mean, maybe, you know, and then, and then you have some time in the middle and then you have some time at the, at the end and, you know, maybe you're, you're getting older or whatever. You have, you have some time and you can waste it. Isn't that awful? Isn't that just terrifying that you can like waste part of your life? It's crazy. You waste, you can, you know that some people waste their whole life, their whole life going the wrong way because someone said, well, this is true and this is true and this is true and this is true. And so here I go. How, how, that's, that's terrifying. Someone gives you a plausible argument. They present you with facts. True, true facts, real facts. Facts with history, with math, with science, with emotions. They, they put 100% true facts in front of you, just like Satan did to Jesus, and they say, this is the way. Look at all these facts that point this way. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is saying, what is the antidote to these false paths? What is the, how do you, how do you, oh gosh, how do you, like there's false, there's the true things here, I can go this way. There's true things here, I can go this way. I can stay where I am and not go anywhere. Wh which way do I go? What's the antidote? Is the antidote, 
do my research on each path. Okay, this, this is a path over here. I have to know as much as I can about it to know whether or not I should go that way. Research this one over here. Guess what this turns into? A massive waste of time. Is it finding great arguments to combat different, these different ones? Like, oh, I, have to, I have to know what to say when they tell me this fact. I have to know what to say when they tell me this fact. Those pesky, plausible arguments. Is it zealously campaigning against that path and against that path? Going on Instagram and saying, no, I don't like this. Going on Facebook, if anyone still does that, and going on and saying, oh, this is wrong and I don't like this either. No, 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 no. Waste of time. Verse 6, what's the antidote? Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And then here we are at Colossians 2.7. Anyone recognize these verses? Colossians 2.7. Anyone been in the 2.7? Uh, Colossians 2.7. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What is the way to stay on the right path? Folks, it's as simple today as it was for them back then. Except right now, no one's chasing us, trying to burn us alive. (laughs) It's as simple today as it was back then. There's 10,000 false paths. They've got true facts plastered all over them. But Jesus has made himself, oh, so accessible to us. So accessible to us. Verse 6, therefore... Paul says, listen, all that stuff back there, listen, be that all as it may. As you have received Christ, so walk in him. What does that mean practically? Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Sing worship songs and spend time with believers. That's it. That is it. And then you will know where the path is. Do those things, read your Bible every day, pray every day, spend time with believers, sing worship songs, do those things a lot. And verse 7, you will be rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Does that just sound like a delightful life? Just a, have you ever met a person who's just like, oh, they're just thankful for everything? They're like, oh, I just love, I, like they love their life. They're a joy to be around, right? That's the kind of person that I want to be, right? Like stuff's going on, maybe stuff's going on at work, maybe stuff's going on at home, but gosh darn it, if I'm just not filled with joy because I'm walking on the, the simple path that he's laid, therefore, just as you received him from the very beginning, when you were a, when you were a baby Christian, you were like, man, I just need to read my Bible, I need to pray, I need to go to church, I need to sing worship songs, I need to be with with believers. That's the Christian life, that's the simple life. That is, coincidentally, the road to un... Maybe it's it's not coincidentally, maybe that's the wrong word. 
that's the road that will lead you. I think, it's, I think the right word is ironically because the, these other people are like, listen, if you just go this way, you'll find truth. If you find this way, this mystery, then, you will, then you'll, you'll be enlightened, you'll be fulfilled. Ironically, it's the thing that you learned at the very beginning. To, un, the, to uncover God's great mysteries. That, that path that we, all, that we all know so well. There's no, no mystery about it. Personally knowing Jesus Christ leads us into greater knowledge about God, about life, than anything else out there, any other road that you could go down. Personally being rooted and built up in Jesus leads us into more encouragement, more unity and love, more assurance of our salvation than anything else out there. Everything else out there. Everything else is a false path, plastered with facts. Look, plastered with facts. Who doesn't love facts? The, everyone here is addicted to facts. Well, so, so many people, they're addicted to facts, right? It's true. Like, you can't argue me with me. It's true. Like, Jesus is, Jesus is like, he's not even arguing. He's like, just, just this, you know, just this here. Everything else is a false path. And they're all, anyway, they're, there's all, they're all hidden and there's twists and turns and like, you know, who knows what's around that corner. But, you know, God is saying is that the path isn't hidden from you. It's, it's, it's where you started from the beginning. Read your Bible every day. Pray. Sing worship songs. Get together with believers. Verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. One mistake that I saw, I make this mistake, and a lot of people maybe make this mistake, is, um, is reading the Bible and really understanding it, maybe even understanding it in its historical context, which is very important, um, but not applying it to our lives. Um, studying, you may know from studying scripture that there were people who were saying that salvation came from the Jews still, that you still had to follow the law, um, or that there were leaders who claimed to have special revelations. You know, those, the first ones are called Judaizers. Maybe that means something to you. Maybe it doesn't. The, knowing, that, knowing that it doesn't, doesn't get you anywhere if, if you won't apply it to your life in the end anyway. Um, how does this apply to us today? There are still, and I'm going to have two, I'm going to go, I'm going to start cutting, right? I, when I was, when, before... I'm going to start like saying the controversial stuff that I came here to say, um, which, is, uh, which is maybe fun for me. I don't know how fun it is for you. I was going to teach from Song of Solomon, and it was not going to be fun. Next time I'll do that. For, for you guys, I love the Song of Solomon. Well, I'll, do, I'll, I'll teach from the Song of Solomon one day. Um, there are, so how does this apply today? Hidden knowledge, right? Salvation still comes from the law, where you're born, you know, remember what the Jews said to Jesus, like, we're children of Abraham. There were still people in the church who believed that. We're children of Abraham, and so we still have to follow the law. And, 
and you still have to get circumcised, guys, you know. Uh, so there are people today who insist that America is like the new Jerusalem. They love their country and they refuse to acknowledge anything bad may have happened here. This is a Christian nation almost as if Christ has returned and was ruling as king. They won't repent for the wickedness that has uh, they won't repent for the wickedness that has been done in and by this nation and they only see the good. Just like the Jews who thought that righteousness was their birthright. Jesus denounces this nationalism and he says God can raise up sons of Abraham from these stones and he can raise up a righteous church beyond the shores of our nation. Blind allegiance to one's country is a false path. A false path. People may use plausible arguments, and there's plenty out there. They may talk about history. They may talk about philosophy. It's a false path. If you are a Christian, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven first. And are you? Are you a citizen of of the kingdom of heaven first? James says... Show me your faith without your deeds. I will show you my faith by my deeds. James is really saying kind of something like, I don't really care what you say. Show me. Show me. That's that's a crude interpretation of of what James is saying. (laughs) Forfeit your rights, your past, and your country's past Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8 says, Whatever was gained to me before, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ It's a false path. It's a path that a lot of people in the church like. And it's leading people away from unity, from encouragement, from assurance of Christ and love. What is another false path? That your works can save you. That atoning and apologizing and striving to make up for your sin and for the sins of your fathers and for the sins of your nation, that if you just do that enough, that that will save you. That establishing justice in the world will fix this world. That rooting out ignorance and intolerance and hate will lead to a better world. Fighting against all the evils in the world will not save you or them or it. Pick your problem. Racism, sexism, climate change, income inequality, social inequality, corruption in the government, 
COVID-19, human rights, animal rights, poverty, war, pick your problem. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is saying, you will waste your life chasing this. See that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Are there huge, terrible problems in the world? A resounding yes. A resounding yes. Read your Bible. Pray. Sing worship songs. Spend time with believers. Being a Christian Following Jesus in this way lifts a burden of all these terrible things, and it puts it on Christ, who can bear it. Because if Christ is really in control, do you really believe that he is in control? Then you can listen to him as you walk with him and know that if it is his will for your life to grow potatoes, then you will, your life will will have done more good for the world than 10 lifetimes devoted to one of those causes that I talked about before. Do you believe that God is in control? Show me your, your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by my deeds. Don't just, show, don't just tell me you believe it. Show me with your life, says James. Verse 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority, and in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you, who were dead in your trespasses, trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. These he set aside, nailing it to the cross, Nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Amen. Wow, what a triumphant bunch of verses that is. What is every false path trying to do? Every false path is promising to fulfill you. Along the way, as that's what, it's prom that's what every false path is promising to you. If you go this way, you will feel fulfilled in your life. And along the way, along these false paths, as fulfillment eludes you more and more, there are signs that say, if you just give more, if you just try harder, if you just say more, if you speak louder, if you go around the bend, then fulfillment is right over there. Never satisfying, always taking, taking, taking. And what does it do in the church? Discouragement, disunity, hate, and torment. But the one true way, verse, verse, uh, verse 9 again, in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, tells the reader, 
personal fulfillment, which is a word I don't like very much, right? There's a lot of churchy and feely stuff out there about personal fulfillment, but Paul is saying, if you want to be full, you want to feel fulfillment, you'll find it in Christ. Say it loud. Personal fulfillment is found in Christ. This is wonderful encouragement, unity in love, assurance in Christ, and fulfillment. All that Christ has given you is enough, is more than enough. You can never add to it. Your country couldn't add to it or take away from it. Your works can't add to it. Read your Bible, pray, sing worship songs, spend time with believers. That's enough. Anything else is trying to steal from you. Stealing your joy, stealing your peace, stealing your love, killing your unity, wasting your time. You were dead in trespasses. Your past and the past of your ancestors and the past of your nation is filthy rags and it's time to view it as such. The record of debt, all the evil that has been done, there is nothing you can do, no cause you can join, no march you can walk in that can cancel the record of debt that has stood against us with its legal demands. Our filthy rags, the record of debt of our sin, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, and it was enough. Verse 16 says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. As a Christian, I am wonderfully free to be firm on topics that the Bible is firm on. There is, for example, there's a bunch of examples coming up, there's one way to heaven, and that's through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who desires a relationship with you. Love, another example, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? <laughs> Who is your neighbor, right? Different religions maybe, different countries, different politics, different worldview. Who is your neighbor? Marriage is another example. Marriage is between one man and one woman. That's not unclear. Feel free to be firm on that. Another one, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Another example, life is sacred from conception to old age. Feel free as someone who is reading your Bible, praying, singing worship songs, spending time with believers, feel free not to budge on what the word has, of God has taught you on the, in the places where the word of God does not budge. Remember, you can believe that abortion is evil and you can give all that you have to the poor, but if you don't know Christ, your life is wasted. You can, you can, it's a, you can get behind a wonderful cause without Christ and waste your life. You can get behind that, same, that very same cause cause and 
and, and lead the life that God meant for you to live. As a Christian also, feel free to not take a hard line in places that the Bible does not take a hard line. Here are some easy examples. The Harrises are sitting over there, so I'm going to pick on eschatology because the Bible isn't clear. Is the church going to be raptured before the Great Tribulation or after it? Will there even be a rapture? Does the tri- did the tribulation already happen? Is it happening right now? Is the millennial kingdom literally a thousand years? Are we in the millennial kingdom right now? These are things that Christians disagree on and they can disagree in unity, in encouragement, in love, right? Because, you know, I wish the Bible had more to say about it. The Bible does talk about eschatology. Let me, talk, let me, let me give a harder example that the Bible does not talk about even once. Vaccines are an evil government conspiracy. Wink, wink, hint, hint, secret knowledge conspiracies. Vaccines are a miracle of science. Wink, hint, plausible arguments. Don't be taken in, Christian, and waste your time. Wasting your time. There is nothing outside a person. This is... This is me injecting a little bit of my opinion into it. There's nothing outside a person that can go into him that can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are the things that defile him. Jesus in Mark 7. But Romans 14, 5 says, let each of you be fully convinced in your own mind. Feel free to make up your own mind and to happily Allow other Christians to do the same. When you don't, when I don't, disunity, discouragement, hate, and torment in the church. Feel free, in the, feel free to rest in the supremacy of Christ in all things. You can be convinced about something that the Bible doesn't talk about. And be convinced that a brother or sister is wrong. And be free to understand their life is in God's hands. I can have unity with them. I can love them. Even though I think they're wrong about this thing. Feel free to believe Psalm chapter 2, verse 4. He who sits in the heavens will laugh. He holds them the kings of the earth, in derision. A Christian isn't right wing or left wing or center wing. A Christian is under Christ's wings. They are free, free, free. They aren't holding to this view or or that view. They are, verse 19, holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, speaks to the Colossians 2,000 years ago, and he's speaking to every one of us in this room today. That's crazy that the Bible does, is, is like that. It was for them, and it is for you. 
Verse 20 says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perished as, as they are used, according to human precepts and, and teachings. These have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religions and aestheticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul says, there is one path, and it's not hidden from you. There are a lot of false paths, and all the entry signs are plastered with facts. The fact is that if you have died with Christ, why would you submit to anything other than His will for your life? Whether that is growing potatoes or feeding every poor person in the world. If you have died and been raised with Christ and are now free, why would you waste your life? I don't care if it's true. It's true. It's true. Go this way. I don't care if it's true. I don't care what you heard. I don't care what you read. All these human precepts and teachings, right, left, or center, they have an appearance of wisdom, but they are of no value for salvation. There's one, one way, one thing of value, and he has not hidden it from us. If someone could come up to play the piano, or uh, because we're going to pray soon, is that okay? That's okay. No, no we, don't, we don't have to play the piano. That's fine. We're, we're going to pray soon. What? Oh, you can. Is that what you said, Freddie? Oh, John can play some stuff. Yes, John, play some stuff, please. Thank you. Some instrumentals. So if God has showed us one way, one not hidden way, what is God's will for your life, Christian? Read your Bible, pray, sing worship songs, Spend time with believers. Get to know Jesus. Being rooted, be rooted in Scripture. Be free from worldly dogma. Be encouraged, united in love, having fulfillment in Christ. We're going to break up into little groups now and to, and to, to pray. And I do want you to pray as you feel led. I hope the, I hope the Holy Spirit is is moved in your heart tonight. I, I was moved in my heart preparing for this. Um, but I want to pray for, for three things, that, and you can go in, in whatever direction you want. I want to pray for the church, the church all around the world, which feels like it's not united. Even though he, when Jesus talks about the church, he doesn't talk about this church over there and this church over there. He talks about the church. And it's, sometimes it's hard for me to pray for the whole church all around the world. But I want to pray for God's grace on the church all around the world. That, we, that, it, that there would be unity. And then I want to pray for our church, for Calvary Chapel in the city. I think it's just Calvary Chapel in the city people here tonight. But, but So it is. So let's pray for Calvary Chapel in the city. Um, that, that Calvary Chapel in the city would be a place that's united in love a place of encouragement, 
and fulfillment in Christ. And for the third thing, to pray that as individuals, that we would stay on the path. That all the facts in the world wouldn't lead us down false paths. So those are the three things I want to pray for. I just, I just know that Christ loves the church. It's not like he's just, I mean, he, he is, he has wrath, but he also loves the church. He loves the church. He gave himself for the church. So let's pray for us, the individual members of the church, for our, our local church, and then also for the grand church.